are you ready for the opening? Or are you not ready for the opening, Sarah? Because it sounded like you weren't oh, no. ready. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm reading about French bulldogs and eating cookies. <laughs> totally ready. <laughs> you just you just tell me when you're. All right, I'm ready. You just tell me when you're ready. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch romantic comedy. She's the only girl I ever loved. <laughs> That wasn't as punchy as your usual ones, but you're right. This movie doesn't have a lot of real quotables no. in it. It's a lot of back and forth. No, just it's mostly like Jason Alexander's really snarky stuff in a conversation with Jack Black. Oh, and if people didn't guess from that <laughs> quote, it's really identifiable. We are talking about Shallow How this yeah. week. It's a Fairly Brothers movie from 2001 that I think... People, people our age would remember because that's that's like yeah. right when Jack Black was getting popular yeah. and mm-hmm. um, Gwyneth was just not too far coming off of um, the the Shakespeare and Love one. Yeah. So she was like kind what, of... What, she won that with a 98? Something like that. Um, and it's the Fairly Brothers that everybody knows, you know, Dumb and Dumb Dumber, Dumber, Kingpin, something about Mary. Stuck on you. Yeah. Stuck on you. One of my absolute favorite uh, romantic comedies that we'll get to as well at some point. Fever Pitch, which I think they took a lot of the lessons from this movie and applied it to that. I'm so good. What, Shakespeare in Love was 1998. Hmm. So, <sighs> starting off for people that may not remember Shallow How, because we kind of deviate a lot in this, <clears throat> the basic premise of the movie is a guy is very shallow and only cares about looks, and uh, Tony Robbins Black. comes in kind of gives him some magic mumbo jumbo that lets him see people's inner beauty then and he falls only their inner and beauty. only their inner beauty he falls in love with someone that he would not have prior then the curse or whatever you want to call it goes away and he has to deal with you know the reality of what his eyes see not just his heart yeah and so that's what this movie deals with so if yes. you didn't see the movie now you have the gist because we're the, gonna jump yeah. around there's the the synopsis. The 30-second thing. Yeah. Uh, starting off, though, before we even jump into it, the premise of this movie, and as we talk about it on this podcast, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, and this is going to be really hard to edit, and I feel like I'm going to be saying, wait, let me rephrase that an awful lot, because I love the premise of this movie. I love the message of the movie, you know, judge people for their inner beauty and not the outside. I also right. feel like I'm going to phrase things real wrong and sound like I'm saying something really mean a couple of times. So hmm. to every, anyone out there well, listening. Well, that's the problem that this movie tightropes for the same thing. Absolutely it yeah. does. And one really interesting thing, so I did watch the, the director's kind of commentary thing. Um, and I, they also had a thing all about her makeup. So they talked about like showing Gwyneth Paltrow in the movie, she is in reality a, a large woman. And they mm. talked about how big do we make her? We don't want her to be comically big where it takes people out of the movie. Right. But we don't we want her to be big enough where people might be made uncomfortable by it. And then originally her makeup, you couldn't tell it was Gwyneth. And oh. people started in test screenings complaining about that. So they backed off some of the makeup. And mm. even her double, her body double, they had to put padding on her in different ways. And they mm. talked about how they really dove into how they wanted it to look because of how people wear weight differently so like they took tons of pictures of they had like a casting call of larger people come in and took photos and they'd be like well you know the legs look like this i was i I was just kind of floored in those discussions and even the other women that had maybe like a 
bigger nose or teeth or something that would how would find unappealing mm-hmm. the line that they talked about how they walked in that like they put a lot of thought into it which i was mm. kind of surprised i assumed it was just like i eh, just throw a fat suit on her and right. give that girl a big nose and that it was not the case at all the makeup huh. guy was super in-depth about why what he was doing why he was doing it which really i i liked um, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it wasn't well, just do. them kind of. It wasn't just them kind of throwing like a bunch of kind of fat jokes at the wall, which is what this really could have, you know, devolved into. Right. Um, the the movie starts though with a scene that kind of caught caught me a bit, where Hal's dad is dying and he mm-hmm. gives him and he's delirious. Yeah, because he's on uh, morphine and all that, right. and he's dying. Yeah, so he's really not coherent. And the doctor specifically says, you probably shouldn't send him. I don't even know if he wants to talk to him. You shouldn't send him in alone. Mm-hmm. And the mom's like, whatever. And just like sends him in. Like Played by? Molly Shannon. Molly right? Shannon. Yeah. Again. Again. She's in everything. Is that going to become a rom-com trope? Is that Molly Shannon has to have a role? It's gotten to the point where Emma knows her. She's like, that's the girl from, you know, and she'll know Well, you're her. raising your daughter right. Molly Shannon is hysterical. She's, we just watched Evan Almighty and she's in that. You need to show her superstar. She is, she's, superstar's enjoyable for what it is. Mm, all right. So either way, you're saying. So, <clears throat> yeah, it, she sends him in anyway to talk to his delirious dying father mm. by himself. And he's a kid in the movie at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's like, like eight. S- yeah, six, six, seven, eight, somewhere yeah. in that range. That's just not going to happen. She just no mom would do that. Yeah, his dad gives him three points of, points advice. of advice. The yeah. first one is actually pretty good. Don't settle. Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty sound advice. Yeah, you know that's where it flies off the rails. <laughs> that's where the, the the morphine kicks in. And the second was I didn't write it down. It was something about poontang. Like I think he actually oh, yeah. used the word poontang. Yeah. Like don't settle for. Uh, subpar poontang and so that was weird and then the last one was to marry a traditional beauty so you know one out of three on the good advice to give a kid I guess and you know I I could see this this I know the Fairley brothers like in this movie they're very obviously trying to make an emotional connection with the audience I think like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of little nods of things people go you know every person goes through Mm -hmm. and I can see how getting an being a six year old and getting this advice from your dad as he's dying could definitely send you off the kind of deep end that this this how guy yeah. goes into. Like yeah. that made me. It's very much the same opening premise as Trainwreck with Amy Schumer when her dad is like getting kicked out of the house for mm-hmm. having an affair, and she and her sister are standing out there, and they're like, "Why are you leaving?" And he's like, "Well, <clears throat> just imagine that you have, you know." You have one doll, but do you really want to play with that doll for the rest of your life? And that'd be the only doll you'll ever have. And you have to live with that doll and only, you know, love her forever. You know, and they're little kids Mm. and it like makes her, it like totally impacts her Mm. to think about like men that way. Oh yeah, no, then you're right. So I think probably a lot of, we're probably going to see a lot of these movies that yeah. do do that where it's a childhood. Explains why people are the messed up way they are. Well, I think it's, it, it rings true. I mean, I we've talked about this in some other episodes, like just how one little funny moment in your life mm-hmm. can kind of turn things and all of a sudden you see everything through that lens. So yeah. I don't think that this is out of the realm of, of reality. Well, and as a parent, you wonder what, I wonder what I've told my kid. Oh my, You yeah. know, that just sticks in her brain. Because I tell my mom things and she's like, I don't remember saying that to you. And I'm like, I thought about that 
many, many, many times. She's like, I have no memory of that. Does that kind and, of freak you out as a parent? Oh, yeah. Like, You're like, what did I say to my kid? Well, I more mean knowing that she yeah. might come to you one day and yeah. have that same conversation. Yeah, and me be like, I don't, I don't remember that. Do you think yeah. of that when you're talking to her? Or is it more like after the fact that you kind of... It's later, Yeah. I've never once thought of that as like a parenting thing. Oh, That's yeah. got to be freaky. Yeah. Like my dad one time said something about William Shakespeare and he said, oh, Shakespeare's dead. And I was like, la, 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 Shakespeare's dead. And then he has a good friend who came over for dinner named Chuck Spear. And my dad said something about Chuck Spear's coming over to dinner tonight. And my dad and I said, that's not funny. And he said, what? He's coming to dinner. I said, Chuck Spears dead. And he's like, no, he's coming over to dinner. And I said, you told me that Chuck Spear was dead. And I got all mad. I'm like, that's Shakespeare. It took a while to figure that out. Yeah, that but, is super funny. Yeah. So either way, we agree. This part's pretty realistic. Yeah, it would stick in your mind. And then it jumps to a club. It would terrify you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it jumps to a club where the first thing that jumped out in my mind, like every once in a while, I realize how difficult it must be to be a woman. And oh, like, yeah. I don't go dancing, but like I've been in a club before and this... And guys who feel like they're owed something. I can't imagine how... how yeah, it's like, I'm terrifying just here to fucking be. dance. And you, <laughs> little Jason Alexander type, are wanting to dance with me, and you feel like I owe you some shit. There was a there was an outtake that I watched <laughs> of women turning down Jason Alexander, where they were just no, no. And the last one was, I told you, get away from me. <laughs> like, okay, well, like maybe these guys need to be told that. If I had the confidence though, because Jason Alexander is his, his friend in this movie, his his right hand man, mm -hmm. the confidence they display. I if I had that blind confidence, I would be. I know a, they're really not. I'd be a millionaire yeah. today if I. Had that kind of blind confidence just plow through rejection mm -hmm. one after the La other da, let's try someone else yeah yeah I, would. I mean i think that's what makes them both so lovable is they're just out there doing their thing well because they're not inherently bad people yeah in they're this not movie. mean necessarily yeah. well i mean they well, they're mean, mean in things. a way but they're not they're not but they vicious. cast that really well i was reading uh, a um review of the movie they cast it really well so that even though the lines are mean it's like jason alexander and jack black are inherently so likable that mm -hmm. they can get away with yeah a lot of those lines especially jason alexander oh yeah the really biting lines well because he has he's just he had such a lot a more than goofy yeah oh no if they cast it as more like <laughs> a uh Again, I bring well, up Channing Tatum a lot, but you throw like yeah. Channing Tatum in there, and it would feel more, awkward. More traditionally attractive in that role, yeah. it would not go over well. But and, because yeah. he himself is not a traditionally attractive person, you know, mm -hmm. he's just—it's so ridiculous. It just adds to the comedy. Yeah, and and so they go through this whole club and you learn that they are both very picky with women over like <laughs> ridiculously yeah like a toes too long the nub the, the i don't want to date a nub oh yeah when they if they cut the toe off because <laughs> she has a weird toe that jason alexander doesn't like his gorgeous new relationship is with this gorgeous woman and who can get tickets to a beatles reunion with yeah. eric clapton that kind of jumped out of nowhere right but, uh, but he doesn't want to go with her because he saw her foot Without a shoe on it, and she has a weird toe. I, I'm gonna, th and here's the first part that I'm probably gonna get myself in trouble, and I don't think this will surprise you. Is like a good friend of mine, like 
I think everyone to some extent though in their lives struggles with this basic like uh, toes toes toe stuff really uh, no, just no no no, no. Strug- <laughs> just struggles with kind of uh, judging people on the surface and then also yeah. like little things that'll get to you for some irrational little things that'll mm-hmm. get to you because I know not as much nowadays because I'm older and smarter but you know years ago especially in like high school and some in college like I'd have to talk myself down every once in a while. I'd be like, that is not a thing you should be concerned about, but there's mm-hmm. like this guttural reaction to it. So I, I not quite the toe thing, but yeah. like, um, when I don't want to say anything, cause like everybody's beautiful and all that, the point of this movie and, right. and all that, but you know, like, Oh man, her left eyebrows, a little mish, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and I've had, well, there that. are things that attract you to people or, or, or make you dislike people that really have nothing to do with traditional beauty. Mm-hmm. You know, attractiveness is also how people smell and, you know, what, you know, weird things that you like because of weird things that happened in your own childhood, mm-hmm. you know, and just strange little ticks and, you know, people's personalities, you know, like there are a lot of models that you see that look great, but then they start speaking or or open their mouths Mm. and you're like ooh, they don't look nearly as attractive Mm. walking around as a person Mm. but they just take a really good photo yeah you know it's like camera attractive well yeah and you're also able to fill in some of that in the stuff you can't tell you can kind of fill it in in your own your own mind Uh, now we're at the point where he meets tony robbins in an elevator and kind of (laughs) says to him first off tony robbins uh know a little bit about him not a ton he's so big because he had a pituitary issue Uh when he was younger and have you ever listened to anything about his uh, seminars and all that no they sound bonkers nuts there was hmm. one that I read about or I heard about where he got a woman. He like brought a woman up on stage or, or talked to her in the audience and didn't know her, didn't know anything about her, didn't ask any questions about her boyfriend, but somehow was like, he is holding you back, got her a cell phone and made her break up with her boyfriend Whoa. during the conference over a cell phone. And later, I guess they got back together or whatever, but it's like that type of, I guess, hyper intensity while you're there. And, and I mean, he seems, you know, like he'd be very convincing and probably very good at motivational speech and whatnot but i know there's a lot of like little like weird little tricks they use that you know Mm -hmm. they get people motivated incidentally his wife makes a cameo in shallow how oh really when remember when jason alexander finds him to tell him he must he must howl all up basically and like you need to unhypnotize him Mm -hmm. well he's walking out of that hotel and there are people asking for his autograph and his wife is one of those people oh that's cool getting his autograph yeah she's a a small blonde woman oh wow she barely goes up to his shoulder but in all fairness he's so tall he's gigantic she's probably like she's like my height yeah yeah she's she's, probably my never mind she's not small he is just he is just a giant compared to her yeah what did what did jason alexander's or not jason alexander uh get those (laughs) bananas that is the best line god get off me banana hands and he's like, sorry. You know what? Now that now that we're starting to work through this movie, you really did have a lot more quotes to choose from for the opening because um, you also didn't get to the, well, we'll get the, the guy that walks on his hands. The like, Wall. I see, I see yeah. a couple of belt buckles around here. I recognize. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. he's like, um, if I hadn't asked to wipe, I'd wipe it with twenties. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony Robbins in the elevator ends up like I don't doing some Yells, kind of devil voodoo. come out and forces how to only see 
everyone's inner beauty by like putting his hand on his head. Yeah, something like that. And then the one thing that I lit, so I listened to Fairly Brothers commentary, and the one thing they mentioned later uh, is that it, a lot of people miss the point that he will only see the inner beauty of people that he he did not know prior. If he saw them before and knew them before, oh, he sees okay. them as he remembers. It's only new sense. people. Be, okay. So that, that's why later in the movie when he, he temporarily... People don't change. And then when he loses the ability, he is so averse to seeing Rosemary for a little yeah, bit. Because if he afraid. sees her and then he gets the power back, right. he, he won't see her how he did prior. Um, right. So then all of a sudden he starts going down the street and he sees his beautiful woman. He takes a cab ride and... and the, he's commenting about all the hotties that he's seeing. <laughs> and that made me think in my, that made me really think. So he's seeing more hotties because he's now seeing people with their inner beauty. Are there that many nice people in the world? I know it's a pretty, you know, positive perspective. Absolutely. A lot it of is. Nice, especially a lot of nice women he's running into. Yeah. And they address this later in the movie too. <clears throat> the inverse is true. They only show one person that's yeah, true for, which I think they did that on purpose. So there's a nurse in the film that is not a very nice person and ends mm-hmm. up, either way, she's not a good person. And he sees her as not attractive, older, just mm-hmm. very, very gaunt and skinny and just everybody's beautiful, but this would be a, a more traditional, non-beautiful person. And, yeah. But that's the only person they really address in it. I, there's a lot more wicked people out yeah. there in the world. Um, but we probably don't see a ton of them because it's not like he's constantly wandering around meeting people he doesn't know. Yeah. I just feel like the proportions of good looking people to bad looking people, I'd want to believe that if you only saw inner beauty, mm-hmm. you'd see a lot of really beautiful people and not see a lot too of many. average people. Probably, yeah, actually probably <laughs> a, lot a lot of average, average looking people. A lot of average looking dudes. All right. So let's look at our checklist. Yes. Um... Rom-com checklist. Okay. Uh, so the meet cute itself is a classic rom-com. So she's in a restaurant. How did they meet? Underwear store. She was underwear shopping and he awkwardly oh, yeah. went up to her. You wandered up. Because has any guy <laughs> no. ever gone up to a woman in an underwear Never. store? Like, who are you shopping for these for? And holds up these gigantic pair of undies. Like, there's very few places that I would approach um, a woman and feel appropriate. I think he was literally walking by and saw her. Oh, that's right. I think that's the, like, which, again, I don't care how beautiful a woman is. Like, I will not approach you in an underwear store. You are presumably, like, that is an intimate scenario. You don't need me coming up and going, like, nice That's very lecherous. Yeah. I guess it just speaks to him looking for women everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, okay. That's so that's the meat cute, and then he takes her lunch, and she eats like a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's there's a lot of physical comedy. There's an awful lot of physical a lot comedy. of physical comedy on her part. Mm. A lot Did of you, chairs breaking. Yeah, there's there's three or four chair breaks during the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a theme they What's keep that coming chair back made to. out of anyway. Uh, steel. steel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to get it welded better, buddy. Yeah. Like okie dokie. Yeah. Nervous bumbling, you know, she does a lot of nervous bumbling. She does an awful lot of nervous bumbling. Yeah. Well, and that kind of, I think that speaks to the character, and that's what also kind of broke my heart about is that they did a good job making her seem like, um, in her lines, 
someone that hasn't had a lot of affection yeah. and whatnot. And and there is honestly, she had a couple lines in there that. But she does have a lot of self confidence, which I think no, comes she does, from, but not with. She has good parents, but not in a romantic sense. But yeah, no, no romance. Because really. she had that one. Uh, line that she said to him about like I'm I know the girl that, I am. Yeah. yeah I'm the girl that always has guy it's guys as friends mm-hmm. and, and I not the pretty one and all this and mm-hmm. that um, so yeah she definitely has it seemed like in a romantic sense she didn't have a lot no uh, but but there were times I identified with that because there were times in my life where I didn't have a lot of confidence that I am pretty sure I would have said some of the lines that she did so it yeah. felt again like it felt yeah, true. for a Farley for a Fairly Brothers movie. I kept coming back to they made it feel to me really identifiable. Like it wasn't for it being Tony Robbins voodoo magic <laughs> making it happen. Everything else felt pretty. Yeah. Realistic. The conceit was good. Yeah. Well, this is yet another romantic comedy from the guy's perspective. It's very much him mm-hmm. and his sassy side friend is Jason Alexander. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. She doesn't have a sassy side friend. You know? No, she, she doesn't really. She's, she's so, her own, on but her it, own. But it seems like then it's the the like the protagonist that really is the one that has the sassy sidekick. So yeah, definitely. That... And then the ways that they connect, he sees how beautiful she is. That's what first attracts him to her. Mm. But then she's such a good person. You know, she works in the burn unit. She, well, she works at the hospital. We don't find out until later. Mm which wing they're in yeah which i thought was really good because at Mm -hmm. first i was like why is he kissing the children why are they playing this kissing game this is a weird thing to do in a children's hospital you know and she was so amazed that he was willing to touch the children and be with them and Mm -hmm. he's like why and he doesn't realize it until later yeah when he can see that they're all burn victims they talked about that in the director's commentary a little bit and how much discussion went into do we even show it's a burn ward? What do we make it and all that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't. Yes, I think it was an important part because it explained mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. About why it was important that they have physical contact and be kissed mm-hmm. and everything. They're just not usually. Yeah. Given that physical contact. No, and I thought it, the the one part, you know, and he even leans in because they, they in the scene, they look perfectly healthy and says, you right. know, am I going to catch what they get? And it's like. No, 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 you're good. And <laughs> then he was hot to trot and like yeah. kind of went, went to it. I mean, it was, again, it really was like a a really nice scene. It was just heartbreaking, that that just beautiful little girl at the end when she's has her teddy bears. I was reading about her. Oh, really? She is the, the makeup artist, the special effect makeup artist's daughter. Oh, wow. And he painstakingly did all of her makeup wow. to be as accurate as possible doing a lot of research about it. I think it'd be really hard to do that to your own kid. To have to see your kid like they have been through something traumatic like that. Yeah, so he was... And there's actually, in the very credits, there's a shot of her putting makeup on him. And she's like like pressing makeup into his face when his name rolls through the credits because mm-hmm. they show every single person. I thought that was cool in the credits when they show every single person who's been a part of the movie mm-hmm. as either a video or a picture mm-hmm. on the credits. And mm-hmm. It's it's her putting makeup on her dad. Oh, cool! I know we talk about um, wardrobe kind of being a, mm-hmm. a trope, more exaggerated wardrobe. I really didn't think that was much at play here mm-hmm. necessarily. I'd say nothing like that jumped out at Mm-mm. me. The jobs of the main character. So she works for the Peace Corps, but she's home, so she volunteers at the burn unit, mm. and obviously she doesn't have to worry about money because her dad is the 
owner slash CEO of the company where Jack Black works. And they're not ever really specific about what he does, something business related. Mm -hmm. But it cracked me up when he's trying to (laughs) he's trying to give Jason Alexander a pep talk toward the end of the movie. And he's like, you're a great guy. You've got a car. You've got, you know, you pull in what, $29,000 a year? And he's like, I know, I know. It's so great. He's driving a little old Volkswagen. Yeah. Well, obviously, Tony Robbins is the big cameo, but were there any other cameos? I don't really think so. Not that I can think of. No, I can't think of any at all. Oh, the canoe scene. That's oh, such the an montage. iconic scene. Yeah, the montage is a That big was a thing. great love montage where they had the, they had the canoe, where the canoe scene, where they she was in the front of the yeah. canoe and. She was skinny in the visual, but she was tipped because of her right. weight. That was in the big montage where they did that, and then they went to the pool, and she yeah, did the cannonball did the into the splash. pool, and the kid flew fun. up into the tree. I'd that say that fun. I'd say that was probably my favorite love montage we've seen. I think it just they're able to pull this off because everyone is so likable. Jack yeah. Black is so likable. He's such a likable guy, and Gwyneth Paltrow had that you know America's sweetheart kind of sweetness mm-hmm. going on, especially coming off of Shakespeare in Love. And um, I was reading on IMDb about Jack Black. Apparently, he and Philip Seymour Hoffman often were going up against each other for the same roles. What? And I feel like that's so strange because I feel like they are so different. Well, no, but stop for a second. Remember Philip Seymour Hoffman's earlier stuff like Boogie Nights? Twister. Mm. He was in Twister. And mm-hmm. really, like th- that's one role that I could see you plunking Jack Black in. And it's yeah. the same role. But Jack Black has... I feel like... I don't know if Philip Seymour Hoffman is a better actor or if he's just more able to blend into stuff. But I feel like like if Jack Black was in that role in Twister, mm-hmm. I feel like he would have been goofy enough that I would have remembered him better. Whereas Philip Seymour Hoffman just fit I think, as a member of the group see, I think, better. I think that's just I two know. different styles. I wouldn't say better or worse because I Jack yeah. Black, when he was in King Kong, I mm-hmm. thought he was phenomenal in King Kong yeah. as an actor because he wasn't playing over the top goofy. Yeah. That is weird. What other roles would they have gone up each other? Uh, Red Dragon. Do you remember the guy? Oh, yeah. The journalist? I liked Red Dragon. But do you remember I, the journalist who keeps baiting yes. him? Apparently, I, Jack Black was second choice for that. Really? Yeah. Wow. I... <laughs> I would be interested to see that. I mean, yeah. he's a good actor. He just I know it's just goofy roles. I feel like he's like Philip Seymour Hoffman can play like sinister yeah. better. He has like a darker side. Yeah, that it's not that Jack Black wouldn't be good. It's that it would just bring a different perspective yeah. to the character, a different kind of yeah lightness to the character. I never would have guessed that in a thousand years that they went up against each other for roles. I know, isn't that weird? Yeah, that is yeah. that is very weird. But then you think about Jack Black and Bernie. Basically, befriends this really crunchy elderly woman in mm. this town in Texas and ends up killing her. It's it, he pulls it off because he is so likable. Mm. But it's a fairly, you know. Do you say it's more negative. like to you like when Robin Williams went and did like darker movies like it's no, just kind of weird because oh. robin williams was able to really make that switch i mean maybe part of it is although he played dark well in rl stein but that's a kid's movie i was really hoping that they would have jack black singing a song as part of the soundtrack i'm surprised he does a lot it. of covers and things kg and... was in the other guy in tenacious d was in this yeah you catch him as the the co-worker yeah. <laughs> that was a good little it was I, so good. I feel like jack, anything jack black does he just KG gets that guy a just job. to get a job yeah like just he might keep uh, he's my buddy great in um elf yes 
He's so good. Well, he's a pretty good. He's a pretty good actor in his own right. Oh yeah. Do we have any other romantic or any romantic comedy tropes? Problem that keeps them apart, obviously, is he doesn't know what she really looks like. Mm-hmm. And then she's going back. Apparently, she's thinking about going back to the Peace Corps, the Peace Corps. <clears throat> and he has to figure out what he wants to do. And then that's right when Jason Alexander decides to make him see what he used to be able to see. Mm. Yeah, so Jason Alexander at one point is so off-put by what's going on with Hal, which I also just don't get as a friend. Like, if I had a buddy that suddenly was really happy and acting differently, but in a safe way, like, oh, all of a sudden he's attracted to women he wasn't before, but he's really happy. But their whole friendship seems based on the fact that they're both shallow. I guess you don't see that connection to your friend and you're just like what the hell is going on yeah i guess i just can't identify with that being Mm -hmm. and also why would he he told him so it was a phrase that he had to say to him shallow hal gets a gal or something like that and that breaks the curse and then after he tells him that then he explains what he just did Mm -hmm. i feel like if you were a friend you would flip that order of operations and tell him like, hey man, just quick heads up, talk to Tony Robbins. If I say this phrase, you're going to see the world as it is. Would you like me to do that? But he won't believe him anyway. Yeah, well, I guess he had a point there. That was, I like that part Mm -hmm. too, after he um, lost the curse or whatever you want to call it, and then he met up with a girl earlier, like a a girl he had met earlier and he saw her as attractive, Mm -hmm. and he met up with her and she was unattractive. I kind of liked how that scene played because it showed, he was was like, oh, you got to be kidding me you're putting me on and all this and then mm-hmm. oh wait oh i remember you and it felt like it showed again that the character at its core wasn't jerk Epic, yeah yeah so this is what i really wanted to say about the movie that mm-hmm. i i really enjoyed it and it was fun on its surface it's lighthearted. it's mm-hmm. got this message it's kind of fun but when you think more about it mm-hmm. you spend any time thinking more deeply mm-hmm. it's really problematic because their one joke clashes with their one main idea. Yeah. It's like the one main idea is inner beauty is more important than outer beauty. Mm. That's the main idea. Mm. That's, you know, what they keep trying to bring home. Rosemary is actually a great person. Ends up being perfect for him. He can only see that through a series of ridiculous events. But the joke that they keep playing over and over is that it's funny when fat people do things. Yeah. And that's problematic. It's like she comes and takes a giant piece of cake in palms it and walks away with it and eats it. You know, she walks, she breaks chairs. She drinks an entire double milkshake by Chocolate herself. milkshake. Yeah. And yes, people get, the people who call her a rhino end up being wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who say things end up being cast as jerks. But, but the main joke that we keep seeing over and over again and it's mostly physical comedy Mm -hmm. is it's funny when you're fat and things happen and that just under undermines the entire premise premise of the movie but i guess then how else would you 
how else would you do this movie then? I mean, are you saying lighten up on some of those fat jokes and hammer on some other? I mean, there's got to be. It's a Farley, Fairly Brothers movie, so there's kind of got to be some physical comedy, some kind of yeah. over the top physical comedy. I mean, look and at I'm Dumb not and saying Dumber. I didn't whole... laugh. Oh yeah, you know. know. No, but I get what you mean. It is kind of a weird. But Dumb and Dumber, they're dumb characters. They're known for being dumb, and yeah. the jokes are all about them being dumb. Yeah. So it fits. Yeah. You know, this one they're trying to say something. Oh, I get what you're. Yeah, about what people, you're but then they're laughing at the very same people that they're trying to say yeah. are the good people. Yeah. You know, like the trans person who. Is the hostess. Yes. Like she, you know, is depicted as a normal, attractive woman, mm. you know, born a woman, physically attractive. And then when he goes and talks to Jason Alexander, the spell is broken. He comes back and she's clearly a trans woman mm. who was born into a man's body. Mm. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. Like she has a beautiful soul. This is what she is on the inside. This is how she is. But then I think about it and I'm like, well, that's kind of problematic because what's wrong with the way she looks right now? Mm-hmm. She she was born into this body. She's, you know, wearing what she wants to wear and identifying as female. Why does every woman have to have small shoulders and be under six well, feet I th- tall? I think, the you know? I think the answer to that is just the spell was like, <clears throat> that's probably what Hal specifically found beautiful. You know, like I get what you're saying, but like say that spell so was cast on someone else. Hal I think sees that's, I think that's, yeah. Cause beautiful. at least that's how I would take it is what he yeah. would view. As, Cause it, cause there was definitely a type in this movie and you're mm-hmm. right. It was, you know, small shoulders, you know, usually pretty mm-hmm. traditionally attractive. Yeah. It, but, but I do, but I do get what you mean. This, I think the one thing, and I was going to wait till the end to talk about this. We always do kind of like a what's next type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they made, if they tried making this movie today with uh, the same basic premise, because I mean, I really, I think the overarching idea of being able to see people's inner beauty, it's a, it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. It is, it's landmines everywhere though, yeah. unless you're super <laughs> careful. Because like you said, it wouldn't work yeah. with a different cast. This mm-hmm. would feel awkward, but if they up if they updated it today and tried using at least this premise on something else, and they tried to go more into like some of those LGBTQ issues and things like that, yeah, in the right director's hands, it probably could be good. But I mean, I don't know that this movie could be made today as it even stands without people really getting up in arms. Even though the message is all inner beauty, just how they at some point have to depict what being unattractive would be. Right. You know, because at some point... That's the problem. Yeah, that's the real problem because that's, you know, even the nurse that we talked about that they showed, like Mm -hmm. she was very skinny and very disheveled looking and all that, but you're still setting out there you know an idea that like well this is pretty and this, this isn't is like it's yeah. it's yeah i get what you mean there's that kind of mm-hmm. inherent clash in what they're doing and maybe they should have spent a little bit more time showing that the conceit was what hal finds attractive yeah. and unattractive mm. so that we're not all like mm. yeah but even it, and i and i agree with that but even if they <clears throat> did that you'd still have a movie again if they were to make it like today you would still have a movie putting it out there in general just like mm-hmm. this is what's you know beautiful and what isn't and again i do think it's a really cool idea i mean i think yeah. i think of you know the times of my my life that i kind of had it like made clear like it's re- it's an incredibly important thing to learn when you're little you're talking about your daughter and all that i think back when i first kind of learned this lesson my dad used to work for uh, a company that hired a lot of handicapped people and a lot of mrdd mm-hmm. um 
individuals. And I still remember vividly one time he took me into like a warehouse or whatever and was like, hey, just go talk to so-and-so over there and just make sure he can see your mouth. And I'm like, why? He's like, oh, he helps him out a little bit and talk to him. Very nice and all that. And then later in the day, I was like, yeah, he was deaf. I was like, well, what do you, it was, and I was like, seriously, four or five, mm-hmm. or, you know, very young. And I didn't oh. even know what really like deaf was. Mm-hmm. And it just like blew. And, and then even later in the day, I met some people that physically disabled. And I guess I was put in a situation because of my dad a lot when I was younger with his job that I was meeting people that were physical. that I don't think a lot of people are younger in when you're young, put in those situations. Right. So I was presented right away with like, yeah, these people are different. They're super nice. They're super mm-hmm. cool. They're super capable. I liked it at least this movie kind of posits that to people. Yeah. I think I get mm-hmm. what the Fairley brothers were going for. And I think they mm-hmm. did about as good a job as they could. It just really is such a, yeah, I wish they had less physical comedy related to her weight. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, in all fairness, we talked about the cannonball in the pool. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of clever because yeah. it was, it was just over the top enough where it was kind of like farcical. Mm-hmm. Um, the breaking of the chairs. That yeah, was that just seemed unnecessary. That, yeah. I like when she takes off her underwear and throws them at him and they're huge. And he's like, what, where did these come from? And then he's like, come here, Houdini. And like, yeah, I had a like, real, I love that. He's just like, okay. That's the one thing I couldn't also get my head around. Are we to believe that he is also having a sensory issue going mm-hmm. on with like touch? Cause like if he's hugging, this this woman yeah. and his arms are like out two or like three you know whatever three feet out or yeah. whatever it may be then he is still seeing them in i mean I that know. that i guess that's getting a little too yeah but also like your brain does a lot of shit yeah, that's yeah. why people have you know eating disorders and still think they're fat even though you can look at them and be like you are physically not at all fat yeah they yeah. still see that you know mm-hmm. so are we agreeing that the the speech the vulnerable speech from a friend is a rom-com trope i forget if we it said seems that like it because it's really we've had it in almost every movie yeah. that we've talked about i don't remember did 27 dresses have one did this did it have one was the, mm-hmm. the sister gave one or something maybe? well no uh judy greer kind of like sets her straight mm-hmm because yeah that because we had it definitely in this we had it in fever pitch but never been kissed there were I think there were like a couple that would classify as that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a the, yeah. the, the emotional or play. Maybe not even like a vulnerable speech, but a time when the friend kind of like sets the main character straight, straight, and yeah. is like, "Hey, think about it this way." I'd be, I'll be really interested to see if that that is a trope <clears throat> that continues through these. I could see it going both ways. Like when we maybe when we get into some of the more traditional ones, like. Um, you've got mail or some of those mm-hmm. I, I, and even some of the older ones like if we ever do like Roman Holiday or something like that if we oh. consider that a, a like rom-com. yeah I would be very curious if that's a newer kind of mm-hmm. thing in the genre it, I, I do think one of my favorite lines in the entire movie and as a friend I would love it if you could promise me that you will one day say this to me if the situation presents itself is when they pull up to Rosemary's house for him to try to woo her back after mm-hmm. he's signed in the Peace Corps and he says oh is this crazy and Jason Alexander just goes, "Hey, crazy's all you got, man." I would love nothing <laughs> Which is more. It's a great than, line. It really is. And again, as a friend, I would love for you just to just. I hope one, got. I hope you uh, can say that to me one day. Yeah. And I love the grand the grand gestures of love in these movies are great. This one's pretty good. <laughs> um, when he makes out with the maid first. Oh yeah, gets yeah. Confused because he doesn't know what. They, Rosemary looks like. they said too that they decided at the last minute to make the mom all, originally in the script the mom wasn't a larger 
uh, a larger person. And then they decided late, like very late Hmm. in the process to do it. And they basically had to kind of make up the the suit and the makeup kind of on the fly to some extent. Hmm. Um, I wonder why they chose the dad to be Irish if they just really liked that actor. That really came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I like that actor in that role. Yeah, he was great. But I could just, all I kept picturing is, do you know Buddy Hackett? Um, He was in like the Herbie movies. He was a famous comedian. Well, never mind. There's there's an actor, Buddy Hackett. I mean, I know Buddy Hackett. I just can't think of what he looks like. Either way, I would have, Buddy Hackett. I believe had passed away or was probably not very good by this point in his life but mm-hmm. I would have I just kept seeing him I'm like he, he, Buddy Hackett should be this role Buddy Hackett would be so good in this role <laughs> that's funny but I like that guy and then the yeah oh the big there. so there's a Hawaiian guy in the movie yeah, for a little, little bit boy. he's in the director's commentary they mentioned that they met him in Hawaii on vacation and he was just like hanging out and that he's related to Big Is. That, oh, really? Yeah, the the guy that sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. I think he's like a Well, they said they or... saw him just sitting outside playing his ukulele. So pretty and they much were like, what we happens need in him. Yeah. I feel like the Fairley brothers, after listening to them talk about this movie, I feel like they just kind of go around and just, just get... Just grab people. Yeah, and yeah. just get buddies and like make... And, and mm-hmm. I think that may be part of why a lot of their movies are so approachable and and feel so familiar is that it really sounds like they are just going around like hey i like your style kid on the bench want to play a ukulele in my film (laughs) how about this yeah i like that a lot well and brian was saying somebody was like a baseball player who's in this really let me look it up we can agree though jason alexander in this movie it's revealed that he is kind of judgmental of people as a defense mechanism for his tail when they when they show the tail though that's creepy right Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, I'm literally saying, like, if you have a tail, cool, man. Like, good for you. No, no, nothing against that. When they literally show the nub. Jason Alexander is afraid of women. Jack Black finally diagnosed him as having a problem with every girl he dates because it's an inherent fear of women. Mm -hmm. He's like, why are you like this? Why are you afraid of women? And Jason Alexander tells him it's because he has a vestigial tail. And he's like, no, really, why? And he's like, no, that's why I have a tail. And then they make him show the tail, and it's just disturbing gross. how it looks. And again, if you have a tail, like, cool. Like, I'm just saying, this makeup isn't is not makeup that I enjoyed. Yeah, seeing it's not. It's and they show it wagging at the end. Yeah, that felt like a that felt like a very fairly brothers thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. something going out the door, like yeah. right as the credits are going. One absolutely. more like little. Okay, so Brian, of course, my husband Brian walked in in you know mm-hmm. in the middle of the movie and said, "Hey, that's like a, an MLB baseball player." And I'm like, "What?" So when Leo Boy was, when Jack Black first saw him, he was seeing him with his inner beauty eyes, mm-hmm. and he was thin. Mm-hmm. And the guy who plays thin Leo Boy is Ron Darling. Hmm. who is a starting pitcher for the New York Mets and the Montreal Expos, Oakland A's, during the 1980s. And I don't know why they cast him. <laughs> Honest to God. I, they... But he's from Hawaii. He He's Hawaiian. And he's just so strange that it's like, yes, you should play this guy. I'm sure they just knew the guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, Ron Darling. Does your husband know everyone to ever play baseball yes, in any league? Yes, he knows league? every baseball player ever, whoever, 
you know. Have live. you been to a baseball game with him ever? I have. Is it just fascinating or? No, he's quiet. He doesn't say things unless, you know. Unless prompted. Yeah. I didn't know if he was just Or unless I'm watching facts. a movie and it's in the middle of the movie. He just wanders in and says, blah. The uh, movie or the, the song at the end that Rosemary, where Rosemary goes. And nobody knows like me. I love that song. They renamed the character just so they could use that song. <gasps> yeah. I can't remember her name exactly, I love but it that was like, song so much. it was like Kimberly or Tiffany or something. They said, then we, then we remembered this song and we changed her name to Rosemary. Wow. So that could be I love the that. End name too and it's such a classic irish my rosemary he calls her i really loved her mom in it too um the little bits we got to see of her mom Mm -hmm. but where the the, he's making the grand gesture and the dad's about to yell at him and the mom just like shuts it down just let him do this yeah Yeah. i like that i i think for this movie being goofy for this movie being goofy for the efforts it made and all that i think they did a good like every character in it had a purpose. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I identified with nearly everyone. It didn't in have it. weird things happening like it did in Summer Catch with like people standing against trees for no reason yeah. and other random things happening because the directors were obsessed with baseball or something. Yeah, you know? like it very much stuck to its story. It was it was a good movie overall. I'd say like well made. It just mm-hmm. they I think they did like you said earlier. I think they relied a little too much on. The physical comedy and because the of fat that jokes, yeah. the fat jokes and all that and, and because of that i didn't it find undermined myself there yeah would undermine that but i also just didn't find myself um like a, a, some of the other fairly brothers movies it, they have a lot of like kind of clever stuff mm-hmm. that gets said like little lines Sneaky you may not things, catch till later yeah. i don't feel it's like all this, that one in a million talk i feel like this didn't have that type of stuff yeah you know so it, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's because they did rely on that physical comedy so much. I guess what I'm saying is for me, this movie is I enjoyed it. I've seen it. I will probably watch it if it's on TV again. Mm-hmm. I will probably not really dedicate too much of my life towards remembering it yeah. once we're done with this. Which but is, I really liked it. it well, it's just some of their other movies are so, just so good. Yeah, yeah, and not say this is bad. Just mm-hmm. um, in a... One part of it, though, Jason Alexander does call the Big Izzes uh, guy Big Kahuna. Mm-hmm. Big Izzes, whatever, cousin or whatever. Um, and I think that's yeah. a pretty sweet nickname. So what I'm going to do real quick, I want to run through some nicknames that I'd like. And you just very quickly just say if you think I could pull it off, okay? All right. So I'm just going to run through these. Just don't no need to talk about them. Just fire <laughs> off. Um, so, like, could I pull off Big Kahuna? Mm. I'm going to take that as a no. Okay. What about Captain? Yeah. Bones. No. Fernando. Yeah. Viper with a Y. Mm. J-Rock. Yeah. J-Bones. Yeah. Juice. Yeah. J-Juice. Uh-huh. The Juice. No. The J-Juice. No. <laughs> the uh, the Dagger. No. Funky J. Yes. Downtown. Sure. Downtown Funky J. Uh-huh. Big J. Yeah. Heavy J. Sure. Okay, so that's a, we've got some nicknames that we can we can <laughs> test out tonight. <laughs> so uh, glad we could play it. Did you? You can only do Viper if you're wearing a leather jacket and you're really drunk. <laughs> but it, but let me clarify, it is Viper with a Y. Yeah. Like I have to. So that's why the leather jacket's necessary. Mm-hmm. And and have you read any good nicknames other than just Reenie? I think that's the only Reenster. one I know. Reenster. Mm-hmm. So variations of Reenie. Variations of rain. I've only uh, had the calendar because I oddly know dates really well. 
You mean like... I just remember things. You just remember that things happened? Or if I told you like January 3rd, 2020, you'd know the day of the week? No, not like... Oh, okay. No, like I know your birthday is September 18th, you know, 1984. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Stuff like That's that. That's just being a good friend. Well, yeah, it's just weird stuff. I don't think I've only ever had... People have called me J-Rock, and I used to get... Um, Majakowski in high school because a teacher would regularly pronounce my name wrong over the PA. Oh. And Majakowski. Yeah, still don't know where that one like necessarily came from. Oh, look, I've got a whole. People would always say Rini or Rini. I probably would have called you Rini. Rini. Just, well, I mean, looking at your name. Rini. Like I would think. Italian. Interesting if there's. Yeah, I kind of miss being called Rini because I played field hockey and. There were like, because we were all born in the 80s, there were like three other Sarahs on mm. my field hockey team. Mm. And so to distinguish us, I was just Rini. Mm. Everyone called me Rini to the point where people forgot that my first name was Sarah. I'm going to be real honest with you. <laughs> I think when I met you, it probably took me a cold five or six months to learn your first name. Really? It's just Rini. <laughs> well, just that's what everybody called you. And, and yeah. I'd see you just kind of in passing at mm-hmm. parties and things. And to yeah, be you honest, always called me Rini. Yeah. And to be honest, when it's mid Saturday night, it's midnight and you started at 5, like, 5 p.m. You're not exactly looking to like, <laughs> you know, you don't exactly do deep dives. Into, so what's your first name? Where I think did that come I'm going to be real honest. I probably thought it was your first name and it was just like a very yeah you know like creative parents well it's a a lot of Middle Eastern women's first name really yeah did not know that yeah it's weird that's a fun name yeah Harini and you know it's like one of those things where I got married and then all of my guy friends got weird and they were like Rit Sarah and I was like, just call me Rini. It's I, okay. I 100% fall into that category. <laughs> I know. You were one of those. Like, Why have no problem calling you call Rini? Rini? I guess I guess what I'm more, what jumps to my mind is I never want... Um, Brian to be I don't know why like, Who cares it, Oh okay Then I'll just call you Alright then Why would Brian care I don't know I don't I've never been married So I don't know I mean how I've managed works. To keep it around You know Rini Schmidt Is just yeah. It's around And so I don't You know well, I guess like I guess the rest of it. today it's I guess the rest of today it's because there is a there, now it's my middle name too because it's so. oh cool do you just shifted it over mm-hmm. oh cool so you have four names well I don't use Ellen legally mm-hmm. Ellen's by maiden or oh my gosh middle name it does sound like like Rini definitely has a ring to it like a fun mm-hmm. it has like it, oh it, people it feels used like to love wild. saying my name like yeah, people would be like it's so fun to say Sarah Rini Sarah Rini and I had a friend who. I used to work at a place called Fountain Point, and she used to go, Sarah Rini, Sarah Rini, Sarah Rini, Fountain Point, like over and over again. (laughs) It's just like, it's Sarah Rini, Fountain Point. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that an awful lot. Do we actually have anything else to talk about this movie, or do you have any more notes? No. I, I guess what it, I guess just to bring it home, what, number one, on our like if you had to assign a one to ten how much of a romantic comedy is this we hit on some of the tropes Mm -hmm. how much would you i mean would and not saying how much you like it as a romantic comedy i don't know would you call it a way more comedy comedy than romance yeah that's what i was kind of thinking as i was i mean it's very sweet and he does a good job of you know building up her confidence and you know showing her that she deserves love but i would say in terms of like Rom-com, it's way, way... The needle is way more over on the com. That's what I'm kind of thinking. So maybe it's more like a six and a half. I, I honestly was going to say more like a, like a four for me. Or oh, something. really? Well, because most of the other rom-coms we talk about, 
the we've got a lot more romance. It's more about driving two characters together, and in this one, it more just felt like a lot of it was about him fixing himself. Yeah. And then I guess as a result of that, this other thing Being, can happen. Yeah. I guess becoming a better sense. person. Yeah. So it's more of a Bildungsroman than a a what. Bildungsroman? I don't know what you're saying. Is that a real word? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a German word. It's a German word? Yeah. You do know I don't know German. <laughs> well, it's it's a literature. Well, you're you you know I Bildungsroman, was Bildungsroman, a novel dealing with one person's formative years or spiritual education. Hmm. So, you know, it's more of in literary criticism, it's a novel about formation, a coming of age story. You know, something about the psychological or moral growth of the protagonist. Well, and that's definitely what this is, a moral growth. Yeah. It's not a so coming of age. it's more of a Bildungsroman yes, than, than, a, than a rom-com. rom-com. <laughs> yeah, because it just didn't feel the same as the other ones we yeah. saw, really. But it did have the tropes. Right. So I guess maybe that's another... Mm-hmm. Not a... Maybe well, tro- each, each rom-com has to have a little bit a of a Bildungsroman in yeah. it. Because they have to grow together. <laughs> Yeah, to, to, it's uncomfortable for you to say that word. Isn't it? Bill, You're not used to saying Bill, it. Bill Dung. Bill Dungs. Bill Dungs, like a gentleman Bill Dungs. Roman. Roman. <laughs> yeah. Bill Dungs Roman. But it's, yeah. How do you know Bill this Dungs stuff? Roman. Oh, Ask my Joe, Lord. Joe, I hope we see. Today's... Today is St. Patrick's Day, and our good friend Joe is very, very Irish, and today is pretty much his favorite day of the year. And he also <laughs> loves talking about literature. Especially when he's had a Especially when he's drunk. <laughs> Especially to strangers. So sorry, strangers out there, if we get him talking about literature. But the he would Roman. love to talk about Bildung's Roman with you or anyone nearby. Oh and I really hope we can. No, we'll definitely. We will definitely. Have we got to gotta find him. No, we'll find Joe. <laughs> well, yeah. So he's out in the city somewhere. He's out there. We'll find him. Doing his thing. So is that everything? We just want to yeah. go through any. Um, okay, so that's basically... That's basically shallow how, I guess, before we finish everything up, um, as far as uh, bookkeeping and all of that, if you like our intro theme or our intro and outro theme, that is the book, uh, band This Is My Suitcase. You can find them mm. on, uh, I assume, SoundCloud and iTunes and all that. The song is Love Off of the Keys to Cat Heaven. I highly suggest looking them up or some of their other side projects ranging from classical baby to mary lynn many many a lot of good music coming out of those people if you want to email us as well we have a email set up it is romcomcom dot the word dot (laughs) com at gmail we're we're working on getting our actual domain um for romcomcom.com at gmail.com well it's it's right now it is romcomcom dot the word dot com at gmail.com. Got it. For right now, we are working on getting the actual domain to romcomcom.com. Um, we'll also, we'll get Instagrams and stuff like that up, but please, if you ever want to uh, email us anything, um, feel free to send it there. <laughs> Any comments. Corrections, <laughs> comments. Just general. General criticism. Um, general ideas. Um, actually, or, or compliments. Or compliments. I would love a compliment it would make me feel <laughs> we love compliments yeah i love compliments we're into it um we do have 
uh, our first email from a fan, though, if you'd like we me to read, to read through it. Um, yes. The, fan mail. It reads, longtime listener, first time caller here. I was not a fan of Summer Catch, the romantic aspects of the movie in which Jessica Beale falls for a subpar baseball player and gives <laughs> up her job for him is almost so unbelievable as Freddie Prince getting a job offer from a major league scout after leaving a game while in the midst of a no hitter. Yeah. He was consistently inconsistent Dumb. on the mound, which does not translate to major league success as demonstrated <laughs> by Ken Griffey Jr. launching a souvenir <laughs> in his first at bat at the end of the game. Unlike the Griffey movie, Moonshot, this movie was more of a foul bun with the two strikes than a home run. Love you guys. Tim South. So that is our first our first email. Um, Tim. So that was a good one. What movie should we do next? Do we want it? We did make a promise to have a guest on for oh, an episode. Oh, that's right. So I'd Are say... Are going to do it? I say we do... This one didn't have that much teeth to it to really yeah. bite into. That's I wouldn't true. mind doing something with some more. So I'd say mm-hmm. 500 Days of Summer or yeah. is what we were talking about. Let's do it. So we're going to do, for our next one, we're going to do 500 Days of Summer Woo! with a special guest. Our friend Spicy Dave will be Spicy on Dave. to help New dad, it. Spicy Dave. Yeah, so... Um, he I, has offspring. He has an offspring. And you know what? I say when we end this podcast, let's go get Stephanie and let's go see that baby for one one quick I moment. I do want to see hello. that baby. Yeah, let's go see that baby. <laughs> With that being that, we will do 500 Days of Summer. Thanks Woo! for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.